0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Perfect Faith Podcast. I'm Kurt Klingerman, your host. This is episode 10 of season four. and this one, we have a very special guest. His name is Pablo Acosta, and he is the host of Benchin in the Kitchen. And I had actually done an interview with him previously, but really felt led of the Lord to ask him to come on to this podcast because he has a very interesting story I think we'll minister to you. We had a a really a great time together as we were uh, getting this put together and as we were recording and so on. But anyway, I believe this is going to really bless you. So uh, we're just going to move right along into this interview and we'll let uh, Pablo tell his story. So enjoy. I have the great pleasure of welcoming Pablo Acosta to the podcast.
1: So thank you for being here. I right, thank you. I am just doing what you're doing, being obedient. You know, it was a call that the Lord gave us and here we are. Like I say, just the little interactions I have I've had with
0: you, I wish other people could experience that. I mean, I know people do in your your area when you do, but it's just uh, it's really just been awesome. Uh, actually, Pablo was the first one to reach out to me back. Uh, well, I bet him um, a few weeks ago, almost a month ago now already. But uh, anyway, um, I just wanted to introduce you guys to him and and get to know his story, get to know Pablo because I believe the Lord's really filled his heart with a lot of things, and he's got a lot to unpack. So I've got questions for this for our dear brother. So uh, anyway. I got answers. So So Pablo, um, you weren't, where were you born and, and how's it relate to your name and so on? I just going to let you go through that part
1: and just let you go with it because I think that's a better intro for you. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Well, everybody knows me as Pablo Acosta. It's not a bad thing. It's just a short name. My full name is Pablo Gerardo Valdez Acosta. And, um, I'm. I'm just. I'm used to Pablo Acosta. I've been always been called at. It's everywhere. Uh, but my ID and my California ID does say my full name. Um, but even even you know close friends and stuff, and even government always knows me as Pablo Acosta. Um, I, I was born and raised in uh, Mexico in a town uh, Juarez, which you know it just happens to be a, a, a an awful town now. You know the cartels are just awful there you know it's just a godless town but anyways god will be in control of that but um i was born there um my, my story is is an awesome story because it's a story of hope is a, it's a testimony of what god does even in the midst of us being rebels and and not really seeing him but he's always around uh, I, I was born in right after i was born from what i gather from all the documents and stories is that i was put into an orphanage and then a family came in and adopted me so i have adopted parents which i call them dad and mom um you know it, it was it was not the perfect scenario but it wasn't the worst case scenario you know i i don't have any brothers and sisters but you know they did show me love and i have plenty plenty of cousins and and now with this adopted family that God's revealing to me, I found my cousins, I found my uncles, my grandma, you know, all these people that just embrace me, um, which is awesome because God does not, um, deduct, you know, he's a God of, of good math. And I tell my son, God, um, adds and multiplies the enemy subtracts and divides so if any moment in your life is you're being subtracted then it the enemy has a a grip on you you know move on to to the one that they can add and and multiply so that's that's part of my story um so i was i was uh, i don't know how deep you want me to get get into in, in into that story but um you know i i grew up with with spanish Spanish is my first language, but I always learn and i was always interested and that's how god is revealed recently to me this is where i was working you for you know i remember watching every single tv show every single thing video game everything was always in english i never understood all of it but it was like i was being prepped now he's now he revealed me through, through dreams it's like hey you remember when you used to play video games and and you knew what was happening but you couldn't figure it out that was me <laughs> that was the holy spirit dwelling in you but you rejected them but anyways um so yeah that's that's a little bit about me, um, you know, um, like I said, you, you tell me how deep you want me to get into the, the testimony or if that's a later thing, but that, that's who I am, um, where I was born and, and then I was brought to this country to, give, to be given a good opportunity, but it was also for God to rescue me from what was going to happen in that town, you know, from, from the destruction that was coming to that town that I could have easily been a part of, you know, uh, because of the non-opportunities that exist over there. And and it would have been an easy, easy way for me to gain the the wrong side. So I'm happy that, that he brought me to this country, instructed me in English. And then now he's teaching me how to be a biblical counselor.
0: Yeah. My take on it is I feel like, you know, go as deep as you really feel like you want to or led to, because there's going to be people listening that this is going to, I think resonate with. It's going to uh-huh. speak to their hearts and, if not them, they're going to know someone that needs to know your story because it's going to be something that correlates to their life. And, you know, it's like your story is important. You know, if it's especially if it's important to Abba, it's important to, you know, to
1: everyone else,
0: everyone else. Definitely. So I guess really it kind of rolls in with my second question. And it's like I said, just go deep as, as you feel like you want to. You've got freedom on this one. You know, so
1: what was it like growing up for Pablo? It was, you know, um, ah, that's a hard question, man. And it's a good, good question. Um, it was difficult. But thanks to that, those difficulties, I am able to see and and be used by God. So I'm going to give the glory to God, not to the situations um, of what happened. But growing up for me was... I was being bought constantly. You know, my parents felt that the the way to make up for things because of, they saw me as being adoptive. And, and this is a conversation I had with my dad. I don't have any hard feelings against him or anything like that. But when we yeah. sat down and, and fixed our relationship, because you know, I, I love when you say Ava, because I started calling him Ava. <laughs> it it just it's a deeper, intimate relationship that, that we have with God, right? And when I started asking, I was like, well, you know, I got to fix. I want to fix my relationship with my son. And God said, cool, fix the one with your dad. And that one will come later. And it did. But anyways, we, we I realized that through through my childhood, I was always being bought. So when I felt bad, they would buy me things because they didn't want to, um, since I wasn't their biological son, they would feel like this is the way we can kind of erase that. You know, we can make them feel better. Um uh, I grew up in a in a dysfunctional household where you know mom and dad fought too much. Um, mom and dad had differences and they said them out loud. You know there was no domestic violence, but it was there was definitely um, emotional abuse in, in in both ways towards me. You know I grew up in a household where both parents had to work to sustain the household, so I was always in in a stranger's home in in somewhere where I was unsafe. You know, where I was hurt, where I was called names and stuff. So, um, again, it, it's not a life of pity. I don't feel any more the feelings that I had before. I can speak of it because God has um, shown me that all these things was in preparation for me to be in the life of others that are going through the same thing. So, that's, that's sort of the encouragement I give to to people is that um it's one of my favorite sayings when when I'm sitting across and edifying somebody or counseling somebody or reproofing somebody is is that imagine your testimony in a few months in a few hours imagine when you're sitting across the the, the chair from someone and you're saying you're going to get through this because I did and you're going to get through this because God is going to be with you you know he's the one who's going to carry you um and that's what I love about my story is that it, it is a tearjerker, it is hard, but then if it wasn't for those moments, for that filth that was in in, in my clothes, I wouldn't be able to relate to someone that's going through that. You know, not, uh, I'm not an alcoholic, so I can't sit in front of an, uh, uh, someone that's, that's currently dealing with alcoholism and say, I know what you're going through, because I really don't. But if I sit across somebody that's a homeless person, someone that, that's been abused at, uh, as a child, I can say, I, I've been there. You know, let, let me tell you how you can run to the person who can help you. Um, so, but in all that, I, I still had fun as a child, you know, even though they had mistakes, even though, you know, they weren't the perfect parents because I'm not the perfect parent. I made a mistake this morning, you know, and I'm still paying for it. <laughs> you know, but the amazing part is that there's always good, you know, no matter what. One thing that got highlighted me was that, My stepdad and my stepmom, my dad and my mom, my dad and my mom, yes. Sorry, I thought I said it backwards. Um, They're image bearers, no matter what. So in that, in that, there's still moments where God leaks through them. So I remember them more now for those things they did good. You know, those moments where I was dropped off at school, for those moments of protection, for those moments of, Caring for me, embracing me—that those birthday parties they did for me, you know, those times that they said "I love you." So those are the moments that I focus now on, and not focus on on the previous things. So, um, it, it, like I said, it was a, a rough childhood, but others have it worse, you know. And and it's not to highlight that they're bad people; they just didn't know God, and that's what what God revealed to me. He's like it's because they didn't have a relationship with with me. And the reason why you replicated is because you didn't have a relationship with me. But now that you do, geez, you're changing things. You're breaking that chain. You know, um, another thing I wanted to share that God put in my heart earlier was that I was raised to be the strongest link in a chain. No matter what, I wouldn't break in. But now he's like, oh, you got to be the weakest one, man. If it doesn't, you you know, and then I said, what do you mean? He's like, well, you got to break in once in a while. You got to let go. You know, you, you got to break those habits, that chain of habits and a chain of events is that you got to break it. You got to be the weakest link. So it just separates and you can begin a new chain. So I don't know. I hope that's encouraging for someone that may be going through the same things or is inflicting that onto someone, you know, to, to realize, geez, I, I got to stop. You know, this this can have repercussions on both sides of the coin.
0: Yeah, it's kind of. But sometimes the, the cool thing about God is like, he'll take like, what you've gone through and he'll turn it into a ministry, you know, especially when you've already, and this is where I love your heart, is you never looked at your, your, yourself as some sort of victim, you know, and rather that you're able to disconnect from that mentality and just really get discernment as to. To what's going on because a lot of times let, what we sometimes forget is people can't give what they don't have and they usually do what they know and what they learned. You know, like let's face it, you know, just as you said, you broke the chain or you broke the way things came down the line. But it's generally speaking, people's parenting is replicated from what they went through growing up. You know, they they do unless they learn something different or something breaks that pattern or they make a decision to change to change that out you know and then ultimately you know if the lord intervenes you know then then it's a, a whole different new game or a whole different game um who were you as a high schooler then how
1: what what was it like or what were you like <laughs> I, I, I was part of this group called the pretenders you know pretend i'm okay pretend i'm cool Pretend I want to be part of the coolest, you know, just to, to gain that affection. Um, I wasn't a bad kid. I just because I suffered from rejection for so long that I formulated this this persona that was a cool persona that I must act up. And man, that plane crashed down. <laughs> that, that plane just bursted in flames. No survivors. You know, it was it was a horrible plane crash. But um, I, I still, again since i'm you know we're all image bearers there were still things that leaked out you know there was god leaking out i still did good things uh, you know i was always there for my cousins i was always there for for aunts and you know um the way i earned money was like you want to wash a car cool I'll, I'll wash it for you you know there's some yard work uh-huh. needs to be done i was always there like no questions asked, I already i was already doing it um, maybe for the wrong reasons because i wanted to get paid but um that's who i was um i i got good grades when I was, when I, um, I actually only did high school here for one year, um, that was my senior year. And the awesome thing about that was that, uh, again, another revelation just right now of what God did for me. When I was in school in Mexico, I went for about, and I'm not kidding, it's about nine hours. So I was going to regular high school and then I was ta- taking extra classes and I was always saying, I don't want to go to those extra classes. I hate those extra classes. I don't know why you guys are making me do this. And and I still went through it. So when I came over here, um, the first thing they do is, is an ESL test. I figured out what, what kind of English you speak. Not how you speak, It just what kind you speak. So gotcha. I... I, I thanks to those classes and thanks to all the video games, thanks to Barney, thanks to Sesame Street and I'm not giving them shout outs. I'm not getting paid. I'm just being honest that's how I learn English. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, I, I, I sort of aced it, you know. Um, so, it was nice because when I went to high school and they started looking at all my transcripts, they were like, oh man, you're taking college classes. So, we have nothing to give you here. Like, all the credits are transferring and he's like, I don't know where to put you. Like, we can't just give you a free pass. So we have to keep you in high school so you can graduate. So they gave me a bunch of electives. And I remember being in weights class all the time. I remember being in silkscreen printing. So that's who I was. I was a, the guy who everybody looked at kind of weird because he didn't have but economics in a couple other classes and the rest of them were electives, which was pretty cool. But that was that was God working through that. He wanted me to to learn that and learn English. So I had a bunch of ESL classes to fix my um, which I still have it, but you know, I had a deeper accent back then. Um, but definitely I was in that group of pretenders where the world was was gonna be mine if I pretend enough, you know so mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's a it's a dilemma because you gotta pretend to be cool to be cool, you know, fake until you make it. My grandpa told me that yes. once. you know so yeah, um, yeah it, it was a it was a time of confusion. It was a time of of revelations, a time of of changes. Um I grew up with um which is kind of funny because people people look at me and are like, no, you didn't. I'm like, yes, I grew up with punk and ska I, I I love punk rock. I was a skateboarder and it was it was kind of funny because i I loved the way punk rockers dressed and 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 ska people dressed. so I tried it. I was pretending to be one and again that that whole thing crashed and then I just became a skateboarder, but it was. You know, it was it was fun times, but then again, I wish I would have known Jesus in those moments. You know, that would have been the greatest ally that, that I've and friendship that I could have. Yeah, so so was God even on your radar at that time then? I I knew there was a God. I knew that if you know, if you look up on the heavens through the clouds, some dude was was there. You know, that's the way it was explained to me, because I grew up Catholic. Um but Having family that went to church. And, and the the issue where, and it's not an excuse, but I had a family that believe in Santeria and the esoteric. So a, a wayside of Catholicism. Um, so I knew there was a God. I knew there were saints and stuff like that. But I had the wrong idea. Uh, I just was not willing to surrender to that. Because in a, in a Catholic way, you know, it's like the you know, it's, it's, it's awkward. I don't want to bad talk about him, but it was the part where I learned the people that taught me about Catholicism was different. They were like, you, know, you gotta be a priest pretty much, you know, there's no, you know, it was, I don't know. It was a multitude of relationships, not, it was a group relationship, not an individual relationship as I, now I understand it. Um, so I, I knew of him, but I didn't know him. Uh, and I refused, I, I, I can say I vocalized it, that I refuse to know of God. I knew there was a Jesus and a cross because my grandma had a cross that had Jesus in it and, and it had the words Enri. and that's it. That's what I remember from high school <laughs> and which man, what a blasphemy, but that's the love of God. He forgave me for all that. He's like, cool. That's right. Don't worry.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, the, it's the one thing I take comfort in and I may have shared this with you. I can't remember his The moment I'm in, the moment I've been in, the moment I will be in, he already knew them, you know, and made provision for each of them, you know, which is something, too, where when we see someone that's maybe living that life and it's like, man, if you just need the Lord, you know, but that's also a thing that gives us hope for that person, knowing that, you know what, God knows exactly where they're at. You know, they know exactly what he knows exactly what it's going to take for them to bow their knee. You know, in his kindness and his goodness, you know, I mean, obviously some jump quicker than others, but some of it I think goes back to even in our family dynamics sometimes like, you know, another side of it is, you know, as this is, of course, getting more and more, uh, spoken in the church now but you know the way people look at their parents especially their their dads or their fathers depending on that relationship that generally view god in that same way so so if they view if they have a harsh father and of course I'm not reflecting that on on your dad I don't mean it that way but if they had a harsh father there might be this tendency to push god away you know that's just I'm not saying that's the other reason of course obviously the other one is as jesus said this is the condemnation that Light has come, but man loved darkness because his deeds were evil. So there is that
1: side of it too, where it's just, I want to do my own thing, you know? Yeah. I, I, I full on agree with that side of speaking. It's We are the representation because, uh, you know, I, I tell people there's biblical definitions to words and then there's secular definition to words. You know, um, I, I can definitely see it now that, In the beginning of my faith, I will refuse to call someone father because I was fatherless, you know, Um, an absent father. Um, But this became a change when I decided to change the relationship with my son. Because the same relationship that I had with my dad, I was giving it to my son. Consciously, subconsciously, I don't have an excuse to give you. I can sit here and give you hundreds and hundreds of excuses. I'm just not going to. I'm not going to justify my behavior. But what I am going to justify is that thanks to his boldness and encouragement, and, and him highlighting and saying, "This is who you can be with your son. Do, are you ready? Would you like it? it it'll take time, but you know, it, it's 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 this. I'll, I'll make it simple with this with the sentence. And I, and I think as fathers of daughters, we can we can really retract on this. And this is a conversation I had with with several fathers of daughters, and I said. Are you afraid of your daughter dating? Does that give you shills? Are you afraid of your daughter getting married, being with a man? And and they said, yes. I said, well, I got to tell you that I no longer have those feelings. And they said, why? I said, because I am going to represent what a Christian man looks like. I'm going to represent what a Christian husband looks like to provide an example for her. You know, so when she is ready to date, she is looking at the qualities of what she would want in a marriage. You know, it, we're not talking about someone that's this, this stern. We're talking about someone that when makes a mistake, when hurts the family, he can get on his knees and ask for forgiveness from both the Lord and his family. You know, that it means it. So. I am truly truly resonating with that thought that you had is is true and in and parts is true in other situations it doesn't apply, but I would say in the majority of, of the situations apply is that the way we grow up is why we reject God, you know the way we, it's been represented to us you know a, a, as hispanics we're we're raised to be machos, not man. It's a difference you know a macho goes out there and and, and breeds families and and goes to work and never complains, but a man know, reflects the image of jesus the humility the the emotions the care the that say the die to self that's it is the die to self you know dying to self is, is a high step
0: that's exactly right um you know the thing is too is as parents and you know either us as parents or for those that are parents or of course with our parents just to understand one other thing none of us has had parenting one hundred and one no that is strictly on the job training period and so where people need to give themselves slacks as de- as parents or where we need to give parents slack depending on where your perspective lies is understanding that everyone has what uh, you know a certain amount of baggage a certain amount of things that they're dealing with and all of that actually comes into play when it comes to with parenting or parenting skills, how they relate to their kids, what they consider as good parenting or bad or what have you. And then, of course, if they are, you know, there's, there's a whole array of things I could get into, which I won't, but, you know, things that range from trauma to their own abuse that interferes with their relationships with other people, including their own kids. So, these are areas that we as as believers especially as disciples need to take hold of so that we can allow the lord to give us that discernment to see what's going on in other people's lives to help help them navigate through that and then as parents you know and to your point which w- what i love about you too is that you know you you own it if you will you know you take responsibility for it but at the same time you know you understand god's grace and his mercy and the other thing too to remember is who we are still a byproduct of what our parents did, good or bad. And sometimes that works in a number of ways. You know, as long as we don't choose a victim mentality, that can actually help a nav- help us navigate to be who we're supposed to be as the Lord works in us and through us. So through high school, the Lord wasn't on your radar. So I guess the question is is going to kind of lead up to you meeting your wife, but. Did you meet the Lord before or after your wife? And then, oh, yeah. or you can tell me that story, how that joined together, however
1: that plays out. I I met my wife um, in, in, in such an awesome way. Um, I'm going to give God the glory uh, because I, I met her at a moment where I needed someone in my corner and God's like, cool. You don't want to have me in a corner. I'm going to send a beautiful angel to your corner. Um, but I still didn't meet, meet the Lord. Um, one thing, I, you know, that that I keep highlighting is, is I tell people when you become a Christian and you have several years or even hours, doesn't matter how long it's been. Ask the Lord to reveal to you through dreams and through daydreams the times that he's been there for you when you did not believe. And it's going to get you to your knees because it's gotten it to me. You know, I, I asked the Lord, "Is like, just reveal to me when I was 10, where were you? And he just throws me these dreams, you know, small ones, big ones, weeks of dreaming. And I'm like, oh, man, you're the, what an awesome God we serve, you know. Um, but I, I met my wife about 22 years ago. No, no, not 22. I'm, I'm lying. That's not too far. Uh, we've been married for 15 years. Awesome. Hopefully, hopefully she's not listening actually you know what I'm lying I apologize I have not been married for 15 years I've been with her for 15 years we've been married for three years four years four years and and I, and I regret the the that I didn't marry her sooner but I love that I marry her and I give her the honor of calling her a bride and not a shackle um I met her um, I used to um I don't know if people can tell but I'm a salesman <laughs> I sell things. Uh, I sell myself. I sell things. I sell the life. I sell Jesus. Um, but I used to sell phones and I used to work in this cubicle at, at, at the mall. Yeah, I was the one who was pulling people like, hey, come here. Let me sell you, let me sell you a new phone. And you know, I used to work for this company, Singular. And she passed once and, and I don't know, there was something about her. It, it, it wasn't much the way she looked. She's beautiful, but it wasn't her look. It was just something that said, hey, talk to this woman. We talked, and, and I got her phone number, and we haven't been apart since then. Uh, since then. We've been through hell and back. She has gone to hell and brought me back more times than I could ever repay her. Um, again, that's why I know she was sent to me, and I know she knows that. Um, so, yeah, I, I married her uh, four to five years ago. I, I Please forgive me if I forget I, I wasn't planning to to say that, but the, God said say it, so I'm saying it. Um, I live with her in a relationship of, of girlfriend and, and boyfriend for so long that I dishonor the the marriage. But then again, I didn't know Jesus, so I didn't really know that. So I give myself grace for that, um, but it also holds me accountable. But uh, I just remember the time that I married her, and, and I said, hey, now you're my wife and my bride, and and I think that's pretty cool. So I changed her name and my phone number. Now she's my bride and she's been my bride for five years <laughs> on my phone. <laughs> uh, so that, that's how we met. And like I said, we haven't been away from each other. We've um, like every couple, we had our fights, our extreme fights. Um, we've never said we're going to divorce. We've said you should go somewhere. You know, we never talked about the word divorce because I hated that word. My parents divorce in the worst possible way. So I, ne- I never want to say that. I would never say that to her. But I will say I'm going somewhere, but I'm back. I'll be back. I just need to go away, <laughs> you yeah. know, you know. But um, yeah, it's it's so cool. And like I said, I just knowing that she will go. And I, I tell people this all the time. I said, when you start thinking of divorce, think about who else can handle your stupidity. I don't think there's another woman that can do that because my there's no other woman that can handle my stupidity. If I went up to to another woman and said, "This is who I am. This is all I've done." Um, could you do more for me? She's going to run away. You know, like I would run away. You know, be like, oh, no, I'm not carrying this guy's baggage, you know. Um, So, yeah, I I have a deep love and and respect for my bride.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's like when I saw my wife going across the parking lot, this short version, and I'm not going to, you know. And I was riding my motorcycle. I actually had a gal on the back of my bike with me although it wasn't anything really going on, but when I saw her walking across, it was like, there's your wife, you know? And the thing is, to your point is like, yeah, who else would put up with me except for the one that was designed for me, you know, because I am so blessed and so spoiled that, you know, that she's here, you know, it's like, I still was like, um, uh, you know, that saying like he's, uh, what was it? How's that go? He outclassed himself or something like that, or yeah, however I, that goes.
1: Yeah. I, I definitely sold myself. Um, and, and, and the product did not keep up with that. <laughs> you know, I told her once, I said, if you ever want to return me because of, you know, the product didn't do what it was intended to do, you have every right. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So you guys,
0: I guess, what i'm gathering then or did she have a relationship with the lord already or you
1: found him together or we, kind of uh a... yeah we we found him together through circumstances we were both put in uh, in a circumstance that i caused the behavior of, of of my younger years caught up with me and allowed me to pay for things that i that i wasn't paying for that i was ignoring Um, God said, you, I need you to be part of my family, but you need to get purified. So there was consequences to behavior that, you know, even though I was forgiven, there was still things that needed to be done. But we, we, um, she knew of God. She went to with her mom to a church. Um, but the church that that went to never explain, this is a personal relationship. Jesus wants you to be his friend. He wants you to love him before you love anybody else. So you may know what love is. So she was like me, you know, we were just knowing of him, but not being with him and and, and being in a relationship with him. Um, that, that came a little later.
0: Yeah, that was uh, one of the things that we kind of grew into is like, you only you're only allowed one first love and I'm not it. <laughs> you know, as much as I'd like that, you know, the most important thing to me for my wife, for my bride is her first love is the Lord but I am second (laughs) yeah, (laughs) for sure.
1: It's a good place to be. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and, and frankly, if we're, you know, it's like a lot of times we'll, we can pray, you know, like, Lord, help me to be who I need to be for my wife or my kids or whoever. And the thing I felt led to is like, Lord, help me to be who I need to be for you. Cause if I am that I'll be who I need to be for whosoever, including my wife, my kids, my friends, my uncles, my aunts, whatever, you know, and that that to me is a big deal. So, how did you guys meet him then? <laughs> exactly.
1: Oh, I mean, I um, I got to tell you because I'm going to school to be a biblical counselor. We learn how to do our testimonies, uh, how to do the 30 second, the 60 second, and the five minute testimony. So, um, again, I don't want to justify my behavior, but I also want to give hope to the people that are going through things or have committed. Uh, acts of disappointment towards society and towards others um so i'll begin to where my issues began because that correlates to how god rescued me and how god said i need your family to come with you um so and and that's you know it takes a lot of time so we're talking about when i was 18 and now we're talking about when i'm 37 and it's still I'm still fighting entities within my family to bring that up. So it's, it's not a something that I won. I, I don't think I'll ever win, but I'll continue to fight constantly to get them to be in the realm of God under his umbrella. But as, as I spoke to you before, being brought to this country, um, at the age when I graduated high school, the support of the family went away. Uh, pretty much they said, here's your bag of clothes. Um, you're on your own. Um, wow. So there is a choice that I made that was to live a life of crime during that mm. time. And the justification and in, in, in the idea for me was like, well, it's because I have nothing else. But it was completely untrue, you know. So I decided to go that path. Uh, it created me to be in jail. It created me to be, you know, incarcerated. And during my incarceration, I remember saying, I really don't belong this. I cannot do this. Um, I've always felt that I had a higher calling, but I called it I'm better than, which was completely incorrect. But I felt this is not where I belong. I need to change my behavior. Um, There was an opportunity to listen to the gospel. I didn't, I didn't take that out. So what I did is instead of me being part of the population there, I started working in jail, you know, and I said, uh, I became a barber and, and that was my, my way out because I was always busy. If the, uh, the authority said, we need someone to take out the trash. I'll be like the first one lifted his hand. I'm like, I got it. I'll do this. I need someone to go throw clean up vomit. I'm like, I'm doing this. Like they knew that they didn't even ask anymore. They just like, Pablo, we need you. Pablo, we need you. Pablo, we need you. Um, but it was me keeping my my mind busy. So that happened. And then shortly after that, I was released. I, I I remember there was this officer that just had the best intentions for me. And I know now God sent him to me and he protected me. You know, he said, he looked at me in the eye and he said, 75% of people that get released from this jail come back within three months. If I see you, I'm going to beat you up. He's like, <laughs> and I said, I looked at him in the eye and I said, I swear that I'll never step foot in this jail again. Mm-hmm. And for, for the next 13 years. I didn't do anything, like not even, like I will see cops and I'm like, oh, never mind. And I run to the side, you know, I was driving, I'll be driving and then a cop will be behind me and I'm like, okay, 10, 10, 12, you know, like look up, don't even look at anything else, you know, so I lived this life that I thought was righteous, you know, Um, but I never complied with what the court said. They released me, they said, you must do these things, you know, so Mm -hmm. I thought it was better than that. I never complied to that. So, fast track to... 13 years later, I have a family, I met my wife, we have kids, and then I have a company, you know, I used to detail cars, and and I was still not a believer, by the way, so I'm sitting there and just finished a few cars, you know, successful day, you know, I just, I think I have the world in control, and I'm sitting down, and a car pulls up and blocks the entrance to my uh, um, detail shop, and I'm like, what's going on? And then I hear a knock on the back of the door, and it's the Marshalls. I'm oh, like, no. And I'm like, well, what's going on? And, and he's like, don't move. I'm like, I'm not going to move. I'm not. Do you think I'm going to run? Like I have a family. I, I no, there's no way. So I just lift my hands and I'm like, could you just tell me what's going on? We need to put you in com- handcuffs. I'm like, and that just brought back those feelings from that time. And, uh-huh. and I remember the first flashback was like me telling that officer, I'll never step foot. Up. I'm like, oh, I'm 13 years. Ah. Anyways, I had to pay back for, for what I didn't do. I wasn't obedient. Hmm. and And I remember just saying to the guy, I was like, "Look, all I want to do is call my wife. That's all I want to do. I'm not gonna say no, I'm not gonna run. I'm not gonna force i'm I'm just please let me call her and they did They allowed me to call her, I call her, and I said, Hey, well, I just want to let you know I love you and By the way, I never told this to my wife. I kept this in secret and and that was hurtful for her, and that's what I said. She went to hell to get me back. Gotcha, you know. Oof man, sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. What other woman will sit there and, and do that, right? It's it's anyways. Um man I love her. Um that happens in that process. I'm sitting in jail, and I'm calling her, and I'm telling her, hey, I'm sorry. This is what I did, and, and I swear since I met you, I haven't done anything wrong. I, I've been you know, in the law, and, and nothing of like that. She knows me. She believes me, which I find amazing. Any other one be like, click, you know, like, goodbye. I don't want anyone like this. And as I finish that conversation, this other officer comes in, and I recognize who he is. And that is a... a Um, an immigration officer. And I'm like, why do you want to talk to me? And they said, well, um, we want to talk to you about your name. What's your name? Pablo Acosta. Okay, he's like, I'm going to give you one more chance. Tell me your name. Pablo Acosta. All right, cool, man. What's your birthday? I give him my birthday. All right, he's like, seriously, one more chance. Tell me the truth. I'm like, well, there's nothing else I can I can tell you. This is who I am. And he just writes some paperwork, gives me some paperwork, and he disappears. So finally they put me into the population, and and it, it, it was devastating. I don't I don't want anybody to go to prison it, or jail, not prison. Jail is it's it's such a horrible place. You know, it's it's just the demoralizing, the, the humanizing is just horrible. But, anyways, um, I'm sitting there. And I'm trying to keep my mind busy. You know, I don't want to think about my kids. I don't want my kids to think about me, which was the wrong thing to do. But anyways, I pick up this book called Unstoppable. And it's by this gentleman. I can't remember his name. He has no arms, no legs. He's Australian. And in that book, the first thing I read, because there's nothing else to read except the Bible, you know? So why would I pick up a Bible? I don't need a Bible, you know? (laughs) How wrong was I? (laughs) And, And in that book, he talks about this part where he says, I tried to commit suicide so many times. And God made me in a way that I could not commit suicide. He's like, I'll try to drown and then I'll float. I'll try to look down into the water and then I'll turn right back to the other side. So I finally gave up and I said, all right, Lord, what do you want me to do? Mm. I want to die. Kill me. And God said, I have this purpose for you. And he gave him this purpose. So that night, I, 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 that's what I did. Wow. I said, Lord, take me. I don't want to be here. I am no good for my family, and he said, "Oh, you're no good for your family." Wait, wait, mm. and someone comes in and gives me a book, and it's called um, the Book of a Praying Husband. Mm. And I read it, and if in every chapter ends with a prayer. And I call my wife, and it was a collection call, and I said, "Don't accept too many collection calls, but this one, I was like, please, please accept it, because um, you know now my income's gone, and I don't want to cost anymore." And I remember. Praying that last thing. And I couldn't get through it because I was crying so loud. And, and I just said, I want to become the husband that this book tells me to be. Um, I'm going to do everything possible for me to change. And that's when I began to know him. Mm. And that's when she began to pray. Began to pray to, to God, to whoever it was. She said, I, I just pray to anyone who will listen. Anything will listen for you to come home. And um, it, um, it, it worked out beautifully. So from there, you know, I, I, the, she, we got an attorney and the attorney was like, I don't understand what you're doing there. They should let you go. Even the marshals on the way to, to, to jail said, we're really, excuse my language, but we're really pissed off that uh-huh. they sent two cars with 12 guys to get you. I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand. And I said, fine. And they were giving me tips, you know, file for this, file for that. It'll all get taken care of. So that got taken care of. But again, immigration came back. And and they tried to give me an opportunity to tell the truth. And I said, I just don't know what you're saying. I, I don't know what to tell you. So it just ended up being that my family, when they brought me here, they brought me under false pretenses. Oh, wow. And, and I understand why they did it. I don't, I don't, I don't dislike them. I don't hate them for that. I just wish they would have thought it to twice, you know? So yeah. when I was with immigration, that's when I met the Lord um, because my options were gone. Wow. Um, you know, God said, well, you have no feet and you have no legs. Hmm. What are you going to do? And and I remember this this pastor came in and, and he was actually a person at work there. And he looked at me in the eye and he said, read ephesians because he saw me in shambles you know uh, he, he heard me in a conversation on the phone with my wife i said hey well i just want not let you know that they may be taking me out to a place that i don't remember but anyways you know um and and he said god created you for good purpose and something is telling me that you will make it out of here but you have to read ephesians and i said yeah dude whatever You know, I'm I'm dealing with some stuff you want me to read. I got to read, you know, about how can I get out of here? What laws can I use? He's like, read it. I won't bother you again. Just read it. And finally, I broke in and I read it. And I read that verse which speaks, you know, God created you for good purposes, which he intended from the day you were born. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, Kurt, and this is for all the listeners, I grew up in a way that I was always told... You're stupid. You shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't do that. You're not good enough. And for a book to almost, like, I can see the hand of God coming out of Ephesians, giving me a couple slaps. Why did you believe them when the creator of the universe told you, you're created for good purposes, Change my life? Mm-hmm. This call comes out, and my wife is praying through all this, Right? She's asking that my 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 mother-in-law's church to pray. I've gone to church before. So she's asking all the people that go to church, they pray for Pablo. We need him back at home. The kids miss him. And um, get the call to go to church. And the guy sees me that I am just on my chair, just could not, I couldn't eat. And he's like, let's do a prayer. But let me do a meditation prayer. And and he took me to this meditation where he tells me, you got to climb this huge mountain. It's going to take you a while. But when you come down, you're going to see Jesus with all the disciples there. And he's going to call you by name. Watch. And he's telling me, guiding me through this meditation. And that's when I met Jesus. Wow. That's when Jesus extended his hand. And he said, welcome. I was, ju- you know, we've been waiting for you. Sit down, have some s'mores, you know, let's get this party going. Not in that essence, but, you know, he said, he told me your sins are forgiven. And he's like, so now the fight comes. Now you got the attorney you've been looking for. Now you got that man in the corner that you need. I'm sitting here. You know, after all that, in so that's that's when I met. So when I got out of jail, through that whole process, I kept telling my wife, I said, look, God told me, I need you guys in my corner, but we need to know Jesus. We need to become a family that worships Jesus. So mm. I understand if you don't want none of this, I understand it, but I cannot be with you if you're not part of this. And she said, I just went to hell and you're asking me to not we'll go with you, <laughs> you know? Oh, wow. And... and, and since that moment, boom, I remember getting baptized. She was there for my baptism. No one else was except her. That's who I needed. you know um and then she got baptized, and I was there to to you know dry her up, just like how she was for me and and celebrated. and yeah, we had our our deep moments, but that's that's when we both met jesus and and now it's becoming you know our relationship is more intimate. I tell her, even the way I look at you is differently. I love you differently. God is God and Jesus are teaching me in the Holy Spirit the true definition of love. You know, not the carnal instinct that I thought love was, where my wife was an object of of self gratification. That was the only purpose of her life. You know, it's supposed to be my gratification price. And yeah, it's it. Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to ramble on too much I just no no that is
0: so so powerful I mean I am I knew there was a reason I was looking forward to this you know to having you on because your story is powerful very powerful you know the the thing that as you're sharing your story the thing that really struck me is how counterintuitive God can really be for us at times and I think back and I'm not going to go into the exact story just Because I want to keep going with you But I I will say this As I remember One of the darkest times of my life Where I just wanted everything to end And I was In our apartment You know I was married at the time But anyway I remember the Lord just said to me Praise me You know And in that state My initial reaction is like I don't feel like it You know I just don't But And they said, praise me. And I said, okay, even though I don't feel like it, it's going to feel like a phonier than a $3 bill. Because he said it, I'm going to do it. And as I started to praise him, I pulled out my guitar and I started to praise, sing on to him. And the next thing I know, the room lit up. I mean, it was a sunny day, but it was dark, if you know what I mean. All, All of a sudden, the room just lit up. And before I knew it, I had a smile on my face and all that stuff lifted and it was gone. And like I said, it was totally counterintuitive to what I was feeling at the time. And really to your point earlier too, is like that's the same thing with the word. It's like when you're in your dark times or those times when you're in in the thick of it, sometimes the last thing you wanna do is open up that word. But that word is something in that time is what you need because it's also in that you're gonna find your peace in this word because when i found and i think you f- have found that in fact i'm sure of it that even right then in that time that you were just talking about you found peace right there in the word even though that didn't make sense to us naturally but
1: that's where peace came is in the word you know amen you know i it um i tell stories to my son you know as much as possible about that, you know, I I don't, I I don't hide anything from anyone. I'm an open book. I used to have a lot of shame. And I tell people, I was like, now if you ask me, I'll tell you, you know, I'm just going to glorify Jesus in the process. So if you're upset with that, I'm sorry, That's this is going to happen. I'm going to give him the glory. But um, when I was sitting in a, in a courthouse in immigration to hear from the judge of whether he's going to allow me to leave either under, um, you know, paying money, a bail or something like that. Right. Um, The attorney which I'm paying for, which my wife has sacrificed to pay it for. Looks at me and he's like, "Yeah, dude, you're not getting out." You know, like I just went to ten different cases. It's not happening. And and he's like, "But why do you look so happy?" And I said, "Oh, because I prayed." He's mm. like, "Cool, oh, we'll pray." again. I'm like, "No, I'm good." He's like, "I know, I know exactly what is what's what's happening. I I, I trust in 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 a mm-hmm. higher authority and and." Throughout the process, you know, they're asking questions. And, you know, as you can see, I have tattoos. Well, you can see me, but the audience won't see me. But I have these <laughs> tattoos done before I was a Christian. I would have not gotten them. And that's just my pre- personal preference. I have nothing against tattoos or anything. You know, if you want to get them, it's up to you. Just be wise about it. But they're asking me about them, making sure they're not gang related, which I understand. Mm-hmm. I'm answering all this. And he starts looking at me again. And he's like, yeah, man, your chances are getting slim. Every time you answer a question, he tells them the truth. He's like, it's like, he would pinch me. He's like, stop. sharing so much and i'm like god told me to say that you know yeah and he finally when when he gives a break he's like yeah dude i already told you why if there's no chance and here i am you know here you are the next day when we go back to his office he looks at me he's like all right pablo i just gotta say this you must have some divine intervention and i said that's exactly what it was that's why i told you we prayed you don't want to pray with me but that's fine but i said but we prayed and we prayed earnestly. And sometimes it happens, sometimes it may not happen. I have a family member that just can't get out of jail and he's tried everything, you know. So I, I don't know his will. His will for me for me was to start the ministry and, and start going back, which I didn't want to. Remember, I told you I'll never step a foot in, in the jail anymore. Now yeah. God's like, cool. Now I'm gonna send you back. <laughs> yeah, now yeah. Now you're flying now, you're gonna be flying my flag and and, and so I don't know, man. It's, it's such an amazing work that he does. But you're right. It's just got to break the habits, got to be intentional, and got to be ready.
0: Got to be ready. You know, and that's the thing is, and I, I want to go into your ministries too here in just a moment. So I think that's going to be a great segue. But a thought that came to mind as you're talking. And it's like Jesus said, you know, if, if you abide in my word, you abide in my truth, and you'll be my disciples indeed, and the truth shall make you free. And the thing is, you just in, in another aspect. I mean, it's not the same, but the application absolutely applies. Is like the Lord's leading you. All you have to do is speak the truth, and you be free. So just think what would have happened if you'd have followed, you know, your advice, of the <laughs> attorney. Not, not bad. I'm not dissing the attorney. I don't mean it. No, 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 no. It. But you know, if you'd have gone that route,
1: you and I wouldn't be having this conversation. I'm pretty sure. You know. Yeah. Yeah and and you know it's it's one of those things that it's always a choice right so there's yeah. a the commandment from God and and you know I, I often think of of the woman that um that saved those those witnesses she didn't lie through the whole process and and God said you don't have to lie you tell them the truth and they're there but they couldn't yeah. see him he's like I'll take care of the rest you just have to be truthful you know they the it, it, a God that loves, that is love. A God that that rescued us. If He asks us to lie, it negates everything He is. That's fair. You know? And and it's so He cannot do that. So I I just love that story because it's, it's a representation of what we need to be doing. Is is if He's asking us to be truthful, but we also need to be asked how truthful you want me to be. You know. Um, and and you know, it'll go up against the secular world, it'll go up against the authorities, the family members, but it's it's God saying you take care of the words, I take care of the rest, you know? Speak on yeah. my behalf.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you've been going back to the to the jails, so sagwagging into your ministries. And I know you got more than one, so it's you know, and each one has an impact. Uh, on different scales, which really, I think is, is an amazing thing. So I guess maybe we'll tee off on that one, going back to the jails. So what,
1: what's going on there? Well, it, it just began with this desire of, of, um, so when I, when I, I, I got to explain this properly. I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, when I was getting out of immigration yeah, I realized that I could not do it alone because I had a, I already had a company, you know, I had a detailing company that was successful, but the only reason why that was successful was because I had mentors in my life. I had people born mm-hmm. into me, people that, you know, uh, own these larger companies that I happen to detail their cars. And they just said, Hey, Pablo, you need to take it on to the next level. You need to challenge yourself. You need to behave a certain way. You need to have these kind of products. So I knew of mentorship. So, when God mm-hmm. brought me into the family, that's the first thought I said. I said, if I walk out of here, I guarantee within three seconds, I will be going right back to the old self. You know, whatever I buried, I'm going to resurrect it in, in, in a matter of seconds. So um, one of my good clients, uh, his name is Keith Williams. He should be coming on to one of my episodes, but he's a great brother of mine. And he kept calling me. You know, mm-hmm. throughout this process and 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 God kept pushing it. You need to call him. You need to call him. You need to call him. And I'm like, Yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, next day. So I finally call him and and after asking me if I was okay, I told him, I said, Hey, I just I'm looking for people. So if you know anybody, I didn't know he was a Christian. And he's like, Oh, do I you see the the shirt that I have? It says, But God, that's the men's ministry that I belong to. And I've been you know, I've been with him for since since that day. So mm. um, I realized that. No one else offered that. No other pastor, no other minister offered me that when I was in jail. You know, there was no accountability. It was awesome to say, receive the Lord, you know, and it's easy to do it in there because there's nothing else to do, you know. So it's an easy way out to get a free hour, to get, you know, an extra cookie, whatever it is. The rewards are plentiful in there, you know, to to be encouraged to do so. So even judges look at it, you know, in a good way. But I said, what, what happens afterwards? You know, what happens with, with these men and women? Are Is somebody pouring onto them? Is somebody holding them accountable? Because they don't have accountability. That's why we're there. Because there's no accountability. No one is telling us no. Slapping our hands. Like every time, like, no, don't do it. So yeah. that's, w- that's what I asked God. I said, would you allow me to do that for them? I said, even if it's not just me, even if I'm the one who opens the door for, for the ministry to come in or I'm sweeping, I just want to make sure that someone knows that this can be done. And and that came through going back to juvenile halls, you know, and talking to probation officers and saying and telling me, he's like, yeah, this is one of the major, there is people doing it, by the way, you know, I'm not going to discredit that there isn't, but it's of not, There's it's not as prevalent as it should, you know, um, for whatever reasons, I'm not going to justify or not justify what they were doing. But I said, it, it needs to happen. And, and that's what the ministry I'm building for. I'm becoming a biblical counselor to comply with the, Laws and regulations of the state of California, whatever state God sends me, that I have the paperwork needed, you know, quote unquote, you know, um, because really God will provide anything, you know. The scripture is there for edification, for reproof, for correction, for everything that we need in life. But for the state, for the secular world, they want to see paper. So that's the plan: is to go into juvenile halls and cut them short, you know, before they're little stumps, they're little trees. They're going to grow into these huge, tall oak trees that you can't take down anymore, you know, Right. Um, right. unless something major happens like a fire or something like that. So that's my that's the plan that I have with God is to go in there with a group of men and not just pouring the word. The word of God is saying, cool, where do you live? All right, let's find churches around you. Contact the churches and saying, okay, we got this young man. That's going to be released in this state. Or we got this young man that needs your support. Could we write to him? Could we hold him accountable? Could your congregation take care of this man? The pot, the Timothy thing, right? Sending or, or uh, actually Titus, you know, it's like, Hey, this man was of no. Use to you, but guess what? Now he's amazing for you. He's going to glorify Jesus with you here. He is receive him as you would receive me. Receive him as you will receive Jesus, you know? So that's, that's the essence of, of, of that ministry. And also I want to extend it to, to grow men, you know? Um, yeah. And, and it's because a lot of us like myself, I'm I'm just really happy that I was able to be exposed to that, but I've talked to other men where they're like mentor. What do you mean mentor? I'm, I'm 50. I shouldn't have a mentor. I'm like, no, most definitely you should have one. <laughs> and you should sure. be, you know, you should be a Paul to a Timothy and a Timothy to a Paul. So that's one ministry. Um, the other ministry, of course, is a podcast. Yeah. And the funny, the funny part, uh, part about the podcast is one day I was like, cool, let's do a podcast. I want to talk about Jesus. I can sit here because I'm a blabbermouth. God gifted me with the gift of, of talking. I got all through school. I got in trouble because I talked too much. And I said, cool, I'll sit here, record it, and then I'll just put it out there. And it, it just... I recorded like eight episodes and none of them, none of them sounded like I was glorifying him, I was glorifying myself. And I was really unhappy with that. And and my friends that from the Budgard ministry, there's just you know, as like I can tell people, you're gonna meet those that you can confess things and, and rely, and then others are just friendships, right? Not everybody becomes an accountability brother. But he challenged me. He said, What are you reading and how you're applying it? And we talked about it, and that's how the podcast came about. And I said, Wouldn't it be awesome? for us to prove that it is a daily walk, that there's no perfect Christian, that constantly Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're struggling to be the perfect Christian, you know? Um, so that's the essence of that podcast is that's how it came about, is showing people that this is a daily walk. It takes disciplines, but we can also hear other people doing it and how successful they are, how successful they are, and grab a little notches and apply them, you know, see if if, if that works for your the way you were wired, you know, hear that everybody's, It's trying, I guess, you know, Um, and the last sort of ministry is what I run for work. I work at a church. I work at two churches, actually. I work one where I'm furloughed because I work with kids ministry, which I love. I love teaching to kids um, Mm. once because they challenge me all the time. Anyways, you know, I'm furloughed from that and I miss it dearly. But the other part is I work at, at a church, which is, I'm not, I'm not a denominational person. I work with anybody, but I work at a Presbyterian church and and God just led me to be part of the food ministry. So our job mm-hmm. is to provide food for people. So I go out there and get it from stores, from food banks, prepare bags. I had volunteers that come out and just fed. And I think it's just an amazing work that he has me done because I went from stealing to giving back. I just, yeah. I love that verse, that those who steal work hard, and I tell guys all the time, "Let me work hard, let me never ever steal again." Um, it's just it's it's so rewarding.
0: It is. I mean, there's th- things I'm finding underscored. You know, when you talk about the mentors, when you're talking about bringing other people in to into the ministry, and just that importance of a fellowship. You know, it's like sometimes we get. Where we become isolationists, and it's like we can't do that. We can't succeed without one another because that's the way God designed us. It's just, just like you said earlier, without their mentors, your business wouldn't have flourished to where it was to that point. And it's the same thing in the body of Christ. We need each other to be able to do that very thing. You are unpacking so many different things. It's it's an amazing amazing testimony uh, that you're bringing forward. It's just you know i am really really looking forward to getting this out there to everyone to listen to this because i think you're going to be speaking to multiple multiple people actually you know on on, on a number of levels to be quite honest because the other thing is is that yeah maybe in early life you resisted but you're all in now and now you've got more than you ever thought possible especially when you were told you're going you're going to jail for, you know you're, you're not coming out till later you're but but here you are you know now you're ministering to those in jail now you're on this awesome podcast which is called benching in the kitchen yeah
1: <laughs> and you it, know it, it, it's funny because it, the people ask me where does that name come from and i'm like well um, i was working at a garage and i have a pantry and a fridge and i was trying to show off to my friend and know and I'll give a shout out. His name's Sean. And and we, you know, men do men things. You know, you just send a picture of you working out. What is gonna happen if you send it to another guy? Hey, when you start really working out, let me know. You know, and he just makes fun of me <laughs> by saying, Hey, so you know, kitchen, huh? Like you can't work out anywhere else. Is that what you know? <laughs> You've been kicked out of the garage and and you know, so I just wanted to to get a quirky name out there so people are like get interested in listening to it. But yeah, it is benching in the kitchen because it's about working out our salvation, you know, not that we're going to lose it, but it's it's a gift that's been given to us. And, you know, I, I often tell people when, when Christmas comes around, you know, we tend to get gifts for those who we love, something that could make their life easier or, or more joyful or take away some sorrows, you know, and that's right. what God did for us. He's like, I just want to give you this gift of my son. So it takes away everything that worries you and gives you moments of joy, you know, so. That's th- that's why I wanted to to do that. It's it's to say people, hey, you've been given a gift. Start working it out. You know, start getting that muscle together, that faith muscle, and then you become more obedient. You know, it's easier for you to have the fruits of the spirit constantly. Yeah, it's um
0: like I said, I've been listening to it since I met you uh, or you know, as as you reached out and it's excellent. I mean, again, I'm still and even right now saying Check out benching in the kitchen. I mean, it's so good. You know, um, I mean, even now you got a nice, for lack of better words, a nice taste of of Pablo and what he has to offers. But when he enter, when he connects with these guests, who brings things to the table, it's just amazing. And and the thing that I really love about it, and I've shared this with you before, is the fact that you are coming from a standpoint of unity of the spirit, you know, where you're connecting believers to believers to believers, you know, you're, you're going through, it's like no barriers allowed, you know, which is something that we as the body of Christ really need to connect to where we connect with Holy spirit and connect with one another as one body. And that is one thing I love about your podcast. Not the only thing, but one (laughs) thing I love, you know, and, and the other side of it is, People by now, if they haven't picked up by it by now, they're going to need to go back and listen again. It's just you're authentic. And you bring that authenticity to your podcast and the people that are on it, you know, that I've listened so far. I had not had a chance to listen to, all, you know, to get caught up all of season one and all that just yet. But I will. I will. Um, but there's an authenticity when people come in from the platform that you present where people can say, you know, I never thought about doing it that way, or I'd never thought it from that perspective in terms of my walk or, or, you know, it's like you kind of alluded to earlier in some regards, you know, where people start getting hard on themselves. And then you find someone else like on your podcast, like, oh, wait a minute. You know, I'm not the only one, you know, and how did they navigate through it? And it's just, it's such a
1: gift. So to all the listeners, please check out Benching in the Kitchen. Yeah, thank you. And, 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 you know, we'll have your episode, you know, in, in the next few weeks here too. And, and like I said, it was just an amazing interview, different perspectives, and and it's just, it's so cool. So, what do you feel like the Lord's telling you now,
0: Pablo? I mean, where are you at in life, or what do you feel like He's speaking to you? I mean, if you feel free to share
1: that area, I mean, yeah. sometimes… I, I think one thing I want to share with you that I've been sharing with a lot of my brothers is the following, you know, we're, we're in a situation and I find myself caught up in that situation with, with this division of race and color, um, and division of, 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 of everything. We're divided once and again, I, the enemy's gotten a good grip in our hearts, uh, whether we want to accept it or not. But I found myself in that division of hearts, looking down on people and it, it, you know, it, it. I want to inspire them to read Philemon. There's Mm. so much in that letter that God has been revealing to me. One thing I want, um, I want to really explain how this came about is that um, a good friend of mine inspired me to write the, the Bible. I told him I want to be inspired more by the word. And he's like, write it word by word, write it. doesn't matter where you start, just start doing it. And you'll see the revelations and the way the Holy spirit speaks. Granted, it may just be me. It may just be him everybody's wired differently but it my wife started doing the same thing and she's been like oh i understand it better so this is where that came about so i'm writing philemon and i'm reading and and philemon is a it's it's a let's call it a text message compared to any other book (laughs) you know it's (laughs) such a small letter you know um but it i love that this is a man that i reflect upon you know goes to jail and jail meets the lord meets god through the facility of another man, you know, and for, through the obedience of, of that man, which is Paul, you know, I love that Paul. You know, he he probably preached to hundreds and hundreds of people there, but then Philemon was the one who was like, "Cool, I gotta, I gotta get this guy. I, I, you know, I gotta be part of his family." So, Paul sends his man back to uh, a place where he created chaos with a recommendation letter, um, and I love that. Because I asked my brothers, would you write me a recommendation letter? Would you put up everything? And just like Paul said, whatever he owed you, it's on my tab. You know, and 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 I love because let's talk about that part. You know, God forgives us everything. God saying, whatever he owes you, put it on my tab. Who will in the right mind from that town will say, Okay, well, Philemon owed me 50 bucks, I'm gonna go charge Paul. So as soon as you walk to Paul, you'll be like, I can't charge Paul. You know, who who will go up to Paul, you know, and say, hey, Paul, you owe me 50 bucks because 50 bucks because Philemon said you will pay. You know, that wasn't the essence. What Paul was saying is I've taught you these ways utilizing me, utilizing So you owe me for that. Look at it that way. I taught you about the gospel. I taught you about Jesus. You shouldn't even have to think to charge me back, you know, um, put it on my faith. Put it on the love of jesus that i taught you and i think that's that's an amazing thing and, and that's what god does for us we we you know it doesn't mean there's no consequences he philemon paid the consequences of being in jail and suffered through that time you know um but i want people to know that at these points we're looking at people in tv and radio dividing they're just waiting to be believers you know, and at some point, they're going to come to that moment where they believe God's going to write them that recommendation letter. Are we ready to accept that? Are we ready to look at a brother or sister that's committed these atrocious uh, acts of either killing a cop, killing another brother, kill, killing a child, and saying, God took care of this. He can change, you know? Or, or adultery, or addiction to porn, addiction to alcohol, addiction to drugs, uh, maybe hurt a family member, maybe just hurt me emotionally, physically. Can we do that? You know, And that's what Paul's telling us. God did this for us. How can you, how can't you do that? Um, it's a hard step to look at. But when we look at this love letter, Paul, and, and vouching for Philemon, and asking the town, hey, don't do it for me, but do it for me. I just, I just it's, 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 it's almost like a joke, right? And it's like, you have to do this now, but you don't have to do it because you, the love of God lives in you, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. So the fruits of the Spirit live in you. You should be able to just say, cool, welcome back to the family or welcome to the family, whatever it yeah. is and 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 that's what God has been inspiring me more and more often is to look at these people uh, they're image bearers that were created by God. He knows them, He knows every thought, He knows every hair, every fiber. And I don't even know how many hairs I have. I, I know how many I've lost, but I don't know <laughs> how many hairs I have you know um and it's just He knows everything, and he's all He's asking me is 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 to accept that recommendation letter and write those letters of recommendation to others in love. And, and I just want people to accept that, you know, and we, ha- we get hung up on, on these atrocious acts, but we don't know where the heart has been, where that person has been struggling with, what addictions they have, what they're going through. And, and we automatically judge that, f- that action they took. And we don't allow them to, to have a reaction to that or, or, or repent from that because we're, we're just hanging them on a cross. Um, so it's just about another opportunity to do and, and to do well for those people.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's like, it reminds me that I think one of the things that Paul talked about is, you know, I was the worst of sinners and God saved me, you know, as an example. And one thing that people maybe don't think in this context, maybe they do, but one of the greatest acts of revenge is forgiveness. And that is because we know that the enemy of our soul would like nothing more, love nothing more to not only to destroy us, but whoever it is that may have been offensive. And the greatest revenge is just simply forgiving, loving, and letting love cover a multitude of sins. I mean, when people are, are out of alignment with their their design, what their design is actually supposed to be, that design's not, you know, it's until that thing comes back in alignment, they're never going to be who they're supposed to be. But it's going to take, like, really, to your point, you're speaking to their design. They're speaking to the God that's in them, the their, the new image, the new man. It's speaking to that. It's just like accountability. Some people have this idea that accountability is calling someone to the carpet, but it's really calling people up into who they're called to be in Jesus. You know, like, hey, man, you're better than that. You know, I know you are because I've seen it in you. And I think, uh, and really it's a big battle. And I think you really alluded to it to a degree as you were sharing is like, how many are wrestling with where they came from? You know, how can I be a Christian or a disciple when I've done these things? You know, some are still trying to navigate out of that, even though it's under the blood. And even though Jesus is worthy for them to be free of that mess. And quite frankly, Jesus is worthy that we would count them as worthy in Jesus. In other words, he's worthy that we would encourage them to come up into the, their full design. You know, so I love, I love this Philemon idea. I think it's, it's an amazing way to go with people to call them out. But because like you said, no one knows where a lot of these people have come from and what is it that they've been told all their life? What lies, what narratives have they been believing to be
1: true? Pablo, I mean you you're an amazing man, dude. You no, know, God I, well, it, it's all his. <laughs> you know, I'm just filthy. You know, he just tends to wash me every day.
0: <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, but I mean he's amazing in you and through you. I mean, it's Yeah, thank you. I mean it's I like I said, this is this is powerful. I really believe that this is going to go a long way if, if people get a hold of it. So honestly, could speak with you for hours,
1: but you know, <laughs> so oh, we will, we will one day when you're back, you know, when you're around California, because I know you have family near where I live. So one of these days, God will make it happen. Watch, yeah. So, how can people connect to you? I mean,
0: benching on the kit in the kitchen, iTunes, Spotify, probably Amazon, I'm guessing too. Um,
1: yeah, that's we're one we're, way, yeah, we're pretty much on every podcast platform. Um, and it's benching without the G. Uh, benching in the kitchen and we're in social media and they're the same thing. Uh, I only use Facebook and Instagram. Uh, those are the only safe. Uh, I, I know my limits and I know mm-hmm. the enemy can call me to do other things and other platforms. So I'd much rather stay on those two. I have my safe safety measures. So Instagram and Facebook are the only ones that I utilize. Um, my email is rescued, forgiven, saved at Gmail. And that's free to anyone who wants to email me because it's God's. I tell people all the time, my phone number, my email, everything I own is God's. He's given it to me and I realize that. So if anybody wants to utilize it, you know, there it is. Uh, if you want to contact me directly, I should just share my phone number on the email. Uh, I don't really mind. Um, I just tell people, like, don't be upset if I don't answer. Sometimes family comes in first. So my first ministry is my household. So if you call me at a time where I'm with my family, I don't wow. answer. I don't respond to emails until I'm. You know, I'm done with that and that we're not done with that, but until, you know, our, our time is spent and my wife allows me to do other work. But, um, yeah, I mean, um, you can reach me out through, through in, th- direct messages on Facebook or, or social media, I actually keep saying social media, Instagram, and, yeah. and just reach out to me there and I'll respond. Um, I love to hear from people and if, if, you know, not just to pour on people, if someone wants to pour on me and say, Hey, I can, God can encourage you with this. I'm always up for learning. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't have the whole truth and I, I err like everybody else. So, I, and that's one of the things that I've learned that I don't like to be called out, but I like to be called out. You know, yes. I don't love it, but I, but I don't mind it. It takes me maybe a couple of days to realize it and be like, oh yeah, he, he really didn't mean well with that. But, um, yeah, I just, you know, anything I can do. And like the people I interview, anybody and everybody, everybody that's a believer wants to speak and wants to give their testimony, just reach out to me and we'll get that interview going.
0: Yeah. In fact, I'd love to see that platform grow and have other people come alongside with you in the other ministries that you've got. I mean, again, it's just all these areas are so intricate or so, you know, it's like we can't do all this heavy lifting on our own. You know, it's so cool. It's so cool what the Lord's doing with you and what he's got for you. And you're just, you know, honestly, just scratching the surface. You know, he's got so much more. I mean, and, and that's an easy thing to say, but that's a truth. It's true. Um, so is there anything else that you feel like you'd like to share? I mean, you go with whatever the Lord leads you, you know, yeah. no, pre- no pressure one way or the other. Take as long or as little time as you would like.
1: Oh, thank you. I, I think one of the last things uh, I love to share is something that was shared with me. And it took a while to understand the concept of that um, because I'll, for Like if I ask my wife, show pictures of Pablo when you met him. Uh, there's not that many because it was a lot of shame. I didn't like who I was. Um, and now she's like, stop taking pictures, please. Stop putting videos. You do it too much. <laughs> it is not a vanity thing. It's not an arrogance thing. I just love who the, who God is building me up to be. You know, I love who God created and, and the image bearer that I am. So I don't really mind. It does come back once in a while. But I wanted to encourage with the identity in Christ because my identity was in my shame, my identity was in my upbringing, my identity because I was an orphan, because I was dropped here. So I was always finding everything else to be my identity. And when when I f- found out that my identity could be in Jesus and he forms my identity and he tells me who I am and whose I am and what that comes with, you know, not just the good things, but the struggles with, you know, the enemy deceiving you and telling you otherwise. Um, but I just want to tell people that, yeah, you, you've made mistakes. Yeah, you may have addictions, but your identity is not that. You know, you want to break those habits. You begin to learn who who you were made to be through Ephesians. Ephesians, You know, it uh, tells you right there who you're meant to be, who you're meant to be as a husband, who you're meant to be as a father. Uh, what are you supposed to do with authority? Uh, whether it's a job, whether it's, you know, um, a supervisor whatever it is he tells you right there and that forms your identity you know um the biblical definition of surrender and obedience is not a bad thing um dying to self is not bad at all it's just saying you are more important than me just like jesus did if if you want to find your identity in christ that's what i want to leave you behind with is Jesus said, you're more important than me, so I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to have someone stab me. I'm going to have someone spit at me. I'm going to have someone throw rocks at me. I'm going to have someone beat me almost to the point of death. And then drive three nails, one cross. Because you're more important than me. I I just, that's the identity that he gives us behind. So for us to dwell on like, I, I can't stop drinking. I can't stop taking drugs. I can't stop looking at porn. Well, Jesus went through way more than that to make you free of that. Acknowledge that, live in that. Read about it. You know, pick up John, pick up Luke, pick up every single gospel, and it'll tell you why he did it. Because he loves you, and and you know, the love that he has is because God is love. You're not the love of of carnal, not the love for women, the love for men, the love for addictions, drugs, whatever it is. That's not love. That's just an attachment um, to replace the true love so that, that's about it you want to learn true love you dr- you learn it through identity in Christ you want to be free of shackles and 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 addictions it comes with the um, with the identity in Christ and Jesus the freedom understanding what he went through and if you doubted hey amen do, do some history search I did that and I was like whoa I'll never doubt you again. Biblical (laughs) records, you know, history, uh, documentaries, they all point out. they all point out back to him. I mean, heck, we're in 2020 because of him. You know? Yes, yes. Our calendar reflects him. When I get hurt, I go, Jesus, because of him. (laughs) Yes. Right? Yes. When I'm excited, I go, oh, my God, because of him. Because of him. Right? When I... When I'm disappointed, I'm like, "Oh my God, oh my goodness!" Because of him, I'm wired to praise him. You know, that's not I tell people when they get upset, they go, "Jesus." I'm like, "Say it, say it proudly." Jesus, he's part of your life now. <laughs> Acknowledge him; yeah. he's alive. So yeah, that's that's all I want to leave behind. Is, is identities in Christ is important. That's the only way I got rid of my shame, and I'm able to take pictures now and videos and and be out there. You know, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh,
0: that's right there is a, uh, I'm trying to think, illustrated sermon, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so when you do Instagram, that's an illustrated sermon because it's like you are fearfully and wonderfully made because he's so wonderful. So cool. I'm going to reverse it on you in one sense. And if you would like,
1: you know, you don't have to, but you want to pray us out if you would? Oh, no, I will. I will. I will. I love praying. I love praying. Let's do this, brother. Whew. Well, Father in heaven, we just we just love you. And we thank you for every moment you were in our lives, Father. And I just pray for the audience. I pray for Kurt. I pray for our families. Father, we pray for everything surrounding us that you've blessed us with. Help us understand the good and the bad. Help us discern the good and bad. And I just pray for the audiences hearing this, whether it's a long-term relationship or it's beginning or they're doubting whatever position they're in, Father, that they realize that you're there for them. I pray that you reveal to them through daydreams, to regular dreams, through just things, that photos, whatever it is, remind them of the times that you've been there for them in their non-believer times. It's a powerful statement. It's a powerful thing to, to see, to feel because you you've never forsaken us you love this world from the beginning you know us. you created as you know how many hairs we have in our heads and i just love being reminded of those moments because it just makes me love you more deeply father i just pray that the catalyst of our families is you and we continue to form you as a catalyst because without knowing your true love how can we love someone else I lift up anybody hurting anybody, going through any stage, any season, Father, that our seasons are different, but that they may be encouraged that seasons do end and joy begins and joy is through it. So I pray that they can go through the season fortified in you, that people come alongside mentors and and just brothers and sisters in Christ that can lift both arms and carry, carry them through these moments. Thank you so much for the ministry that Kurt doing, Father. I pray that you continue to encourage him and give him boldness to continue to spread your message. I pray that anybody that could be helped, whether it's one or a hundred or a million, doesn't matter, whoever gets help with this, Father, that it is your will and not my will. I just thank you for our brides, Lord. I thank you for appointing these holy women to be on our side. Through the worst, through hell. To bring us back to your arms and remind us why you, you put them there. So today we pray for them. We lift them up to you for love and, and passion. And help us be intentional husbands to them. Intentional fathers. Intentional intentional Christians around everybody. And we pray this all through your beautiful name. Jesus Christ we love you. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you brother again. Thank you for being here. That concludes another episode of the Perfect Faith Podcast. So uh, with that. Be, best, uh, be blessed my friend. Amen.